And we are live. Welcome to the Slightly Chewed Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Watson. With me, my esteemed colleague and great friend, Mr. Johnny Cooper. How you doing today, buddy? What's up, pal? This is the first of uh, many podcasts that I'm going to be doing, and I'm thrilled to have you as a part of it. Heck yeah, man. I'm glad to be here. I mean, it's always just fun to just hang out with you, like, you know. Yeah, man. In any other day, but in this circumstance, we get to actually record it and uh, talk about whatever we want to talk about. That was the, definitely the plan. I don't really have a, uh, I don't really have a, a schedule for any of this. But we're both musicians. I assume we'll talk about that at some point. But uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't either. I uh, <laughs> all of this equipment in here in this room uh, would beg to be played and looked at. At least I look at it a lot. There's a lot of stuff that's in there that I don't even touch very often. And a lot of it that I'm trying to sell actively, but not getting any any bites on, like yeah. that, that Leslie cabinet that I bought. You're already trying to sell that? Yeah, well, I want a bigger one. I need a full size one. I say I need it. I don't really need it. I want a full size one. I have this. I have a Leslie Model 16, which is 1962, uh, and it's before Fender bought Leslie, and it became the Vibratone, okay. which is like yeah. the cold shot Stevie Ray Vaughan uh-huh. sound. Uh-huh. That was what he did it on. So I bought one for my organ for my Nord. Uh, for my gig with Zach Wilkerson, and I bought it thinking it's small, it's compact, it'll be easier to bring around on the road. And now you just want a bigger and one. And now I need a. Yeah, I missed the low range. <laughs> it's a. It's a, just a ten inch speaker, and uh, it doesn't have the uh, the full range. Like when for the low swells and all that stuff, it doesn't have any of that. So. Now I'm just trying to sell it so I can buy a full-size Leslie Yeah, cabinet. well, I mean, I was trying to come over here and buy your uh, your keyboard, yeah. and you already told me no. I know. I, well, I started using it since I started doing all this recording stuff. I started using it. Damn it. Uh, for, yeah, well, for this, so it's, it's working out well. That's even better. That's even better. Yeah, well, I'm going to be one of those idiots with his, his keyboard hooked up to his laptop. I ain't know. You can <laughs> go stage. ahead and be that idiot. <laughs> Which I've got a track set up on my on my in Logic with five or six different keyboard sounds, and I'm just going to keep adding to it, and that'll be like my live hell yeah man. keyboard sounds. I don't know. It's a fucking waste of time, all of it. But it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. No, that's that's the fun part about it. It's like you just yeah. never know when you get to use that stuff, and you're like, oh, you know, I didn't think I needed this, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I figured out a way to use this, and yeah. A, multiple different ways for sure i'm trying to figure out how to sell some guitars you want to help me out on that uh? i don't need any guitars i strip myself down to the bare essentials guitar wise the things that i just can't part with and the things that i actually use yeah i'm down to like six guitars i need to get down to like six guitars it sounds like a lot as i say that because i only really play two of them that's the same way i am i play two of them but but the other ones have sentimental value, mm-hmm. and that's I, I, I play three of them. The other three have va- sentimental value. Yeah, so I, I like guitars that I'll probably have forever. In that way, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. Oh, musician, I have a guitar. Musician that, problems. I know it's 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 a stupid problem to have. Well, it's that, and and it's this Jeep that I bought that's taking all my money. But <laughs> I have a I have a guitar. That uh, a buddy of mine growing up, uh, a buddy of my dad's actually, they, they were in a band together in high school. And they, he met us in Rio Dosa. I took a, a ski trip with uh, five, four, four of my buddies uh, when we were like 14. My dad chaperoned us to New Mexico and he came in from Santa, Santa Fe 
to meet us, and I met him, and he sang us this funny song. He wrote his parody version of Ring of Fire about eating burritos and oh wow, Ring of Fire. It, yeah. was, it was hilarious to a bunch of fourteen-year-olds, <laughs> for sure. And uh, and so as as I grew older, he and I became friends, along with you know he was friends with my dad and all that. And uh, when I was just probably five, six years ago, he uh, got married and moved to Colorado. And he lived with this lady, and uh, we visited him. Uh, my dad and I and my mom, we were on vacation somewhere driving through. And uh, we stopped in, in Colorado Springs, outside of Colorado Springs where they lived. And uh, he had this electric guitar. He always played acoustics. He was a folk singer and, and songwriter, so he never really played electrics. But he had this gotcha. uh, 50th anniversary Strat, this cream-colored Stratocaster. And he, he told me when I was there, he said, I'm, I put this in my will for you to have whenever I die. Um, but I don't plan on dying anytime soon. <laughs> so why don't you just take it and get some use out of it? Cause it just hangs on my wall. And, uh, so he gave it to me and I took it home and I started playing nice. it. I loved it. It's a great guitar. Yeah. And no, he I've, died, seen, I've seen it. I've seen it's it. a phenomenal guitar. He died like two weeks after that. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Oh man. That just took a, a total I know. spin. It's crazy. It was the craziest thing. And uh, so, so that guitar I'll have probably for the rest of my life because it just means so much. Like right. it's his legacy. Gotcha. You know, mm-hmm. and, and playing that guitar, it, it means it means so much to me, and it means a lot to my dad when I play it. You know, too, because it's you know it's mm-hmm. this is one of his best friends his whole life. Right. You know, so it, that guitar is one of them that I have a pretty strong attachment to. And then I have my first guitar that I ever got when I was like twelve or eleven which was a black 96 or 7 Mexican Stratocaster. I still have it. Is it like, like the first one that like you bought with like your money type kind of thing? First guitar that I ever had. Oh, My dad first guitar. bought yeah. it at a pawn shop gotcha, and brought gotcha. it home. Because I was playing his guitars, and they, he had nice guitars, and uh-huh. he didn't want me touching his shit. <laughs> so he bought me this one, and it was, it's a really nice guitar. I played it for years and years. Uh, the 95 to 97 Mexican Stratocasters were made... In those three years, for some reason, the Mexican ones were made with the same wood and components as the American ones. You know, I I, I never really... Uh, I have a few American strats, and I have some Mexi strats that I actually like better. Yeah. I don't know if it's just because... Uh, I, I had a few that I had some people that were um, like art designers and they would take like the body of it and I'd send it off to them and they'd kind of like paint some stuff on it sure. and do their own thing. And I like those because I could kind of Frankenstein them, you know, Frankenstein them out to how I want them to be, like put your own stuff yeah. to it. But it's funny that you have that same kind of story. I had a, an uncle of mine that uh, brought down, uh, I guess it was, a, it's like a mini Strat. I don't even know if it's, it's an actual Fender, sh- like uh, made from Fender. But uh the guy that kind of got me excited about playing guitar was um, not my uncle. It was one of my cousins, and uh, he lived in Wyoming, and he drove it down. And uh, his story that he told me was that it shrunk in the back of his truck. <laughs> so, like, when it showed up, it was, like, perfect for, you know, nine-year-old me. <laughs> and uh, I always, like, thought that was the most amazing thing ever, that, uh, you know, he at least went with the story and never yeah. like was like no nah, this is not <laughs> this is just what happened i always thought that was hilarious too that is funny <laughs> kids believe anything like that you tell them yeah you just, it's unbelievable. i mean he sold me on it and yeah. it took me until i had to go buy my first you know actual guitar to be like <laughs> wait a second this guy's been jerking my chain for years but i think there's uh there's a lot to be said for the 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 non-american strats there's a really weird stigma on non-american like 
Stratocasters specifically, because most of the other brands are not made in America. Right. But, uh, you know, my understanding of, of guitars and tone specifically is that if you spend good money on pickups, you can put good pickups in a shitty guitar and it'll sound really good. Right. Well, I think that's like the number one thing. Number two, it comes from your fingers and yeah, your hands. Absolutely. Like, and that's then you've got to get thing. a good neck that's not, you know, that's not warped. A lot of those, like a Squires, those are made out of like composite. And so yeah. you can't, mm-hmm. you, the necks are shitty. But you can buy a bolt-on neck for 200 bucks or less. Right. That's great. It's a phenomenal neck from mm-hmm. like all parts or whatever. So yeah, no, I'm not like the hugest uh, guitar guru. In fact, of you know, or I guess just saying like putting stuff together and being able to, you know, bolt everything on exactly the way it needs to be. Sure. But you can take like certain parts and figure out how to do it. You know, with like a soldering gun and stuff like that. And just uh, yeah. Sometimes the best way to do it is just not ask questions and go screw yeah. it up yourself Absolutely. and then have to figure out how to, how to fix it Absolutely. after that. I think that's the best way to learn anything. You just have to not be afraid to, to mess it up. Yeah. And then, and then you've learned from that. That's, I mean, that's the best way to do anything that I've ever tried to do is just go, okay, well, I know that I'm going to, I know that I'm going to screw up and I'm going to be embarrassed. Right. And then you, you figure it out from there. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. No, I agree with you on that. With anything. I, uh, have gotten into this home recording stuff and making demos and and trying to make them not sound like home recordings. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, obviously that's not ideal, you know, if you're going to put out a record. But you know, you you I've made a couple of things that are like the cheesiest, hokiest things that I could have possibly made. And then I went, okay, now how do I take that and make it not make sound it. super cheesy and stupid? Yeah. Well, you just learn from that and then you just figure out how to make it better. Yeah. You know, basically. I think it's. Just like you were saying, that's the way it is with anything with music, you yeah. know. It's just, all right, you throw this out there, see what somebody says, and you go, okay, that's how you feel about it. Well, you know, how does the artist feel about it? And then you just kind of grow from that point. You go, okay, well, I could have done this better or that better, but, you know, at the same time, you just needed to get it out there. Yeah. So that way it was just off your chest Yeah. type kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that's the entire reason I, I put the home studio together was that I'm, I keep having all these ideas and I would sing them into my phone, my voice memos on my phone. I've got a million of just like 15 second crap like that in my phone. And then I have to, I have to figure it out later. But now I can go back into this room or have all this stuff, all, every instrument that I need, and then samples on the, the MIDI keyboard, and I can make a whole song. I can I can flesh out an idea, and that's that's invaluable to me. I've I've already come up with some stuff that that I probably wouldn't have otherwise since I put this together because it, of that. It also doesn't hurt that you're like a one man show, bro. I can be if I if I had more arms and legs, <laughs> I could play more instruments at once. <laughs> I yeah I started out on the piano. That's the thing is that I started on the piano and then my parents bought me a drum kit, uh, and then and then they bought me a guitar. And between nice. well, you know we've never we've never had this talk before, but it's very funny because we almost kind of came from the same type kind of thing. Saying that my dad was a piano player, yeah, but uh, I asked if you know I wanted to learn how to play piano, and he said no. Uh, learn your own instrument first, right? And then I'll teach you how to play piano. So I went straight to drums, and that's funny that you went straight to drums. Yeah. And then uh, from, after that, I went to yeah from piano, and then uh, after that, I went to guitar. And uh, yeah, you still kick my ass in all all avenues of it. Well, I don't know about that, but I definitely I kept them up. I I was 
way into the drums. And I remember they got me, uh, this guy that I'm still friends with, they got me a drum teacher uh, in Denton when I lived in Denton. It was a, he was a UNT student, I think, or he had just graduated from there. He was a drummer. He was a phenomenal drummer, jazz drummer. And uh, we're still buddies. And he came over twice, I remember. And I identify with the look on his face while he was teaching me now after I was I taught music for like five years. But he was trying to show me stuff, and I had no interest in learning the things he was trying to show me, like uh, rudiments and paradiddles and crap like that. Right. And not crap. It's not crap, but it's stuff you need to learn if you're trying to learn how to play drums. I wasn't interested in that. I could play a beat already because uh-huh. I had a little bit of rhythm, like young me had a little bit of rhythm. And so I could do that already. And when he was trying to like make me not play a drum beat like along with a song, I I was like, why do I need to do that? I don't need to learn any of that. Now I realize that I should have done that. Yeah, but yeah, I uh, didn't want to. So he came over twice, and I think I remember that he told my dad like he's not going to practice. He's not going to do any of this. Just you're wasting your money. <laughs> just I'm going to just stop showing up. You can stop giving me money. We'll just part ways. So that was the end of that. But I wanted all I wanted to play was like Motown, like funk pocket stuff i've been drawn to the pocket yeah just the groove right? i've been drawn to that my whole mm-hmm. life man i can't i can't get away from that well how was it for you like with uh learning guitar like i knew for me when i first picked up guitar it was around nine or so and i'd go into these lessons and just like you were saying like we you would start like with a uh, you know scales and all this kind of stuff and, and kind of sheet music type, type kind of stuff and mm-hmm. after about a month of that i just got i got bored not that i yeah for sure not that like like you need to learn that stuff but it i never got really excited about going to you know the lesson at you know on tuesday at three o'clock right i didn't get excited about it yeah and it wasn't for me until like i was about you know 14 or 15 when i had a different guitar teacher that was like hey bring in a piece of music that you want to learn and I'll show you how to learn it. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I got excited about it. Yeah. I uh, I never had any formal guitar or really formal music training in general. I took piano lessons when I was f- like five or six for a couple, maybe a year or two. And it was like classical style, like learning how to read sheet music. It was very remedial. It wasn't, I wasn't playing any Mozart or anything like that. Um, I was not a virtuoso in any way. I could do it. But I didn't like it because it was that, and I didn't want to do that. And I had this lady, and she was old, and she kind of smelled bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of like I was totally turned off to the whole thing. But I, uh, I had books that had sheet music in it, and I had learned how to read, you know, off the page. Mm-hmm. However remedial it was, I learned how to do it. And so I went to drums, and then I went to guitar. And when I picked the guitar up, it was because my dad played guitar, uh, like your dad played piano. And my dad played guitar, but it was it was very traditional blues type stuff. Uh-huh. And so, not I'm not saying that in a bad way, but that's what he liked, and that's so that's what he played. And he he was a collector of of old Fender amps and old Fender guitars. So I had a a very uh, a very positive introduction to tone and and nice musical equipment. I never had you know your your hundred dollar you know Line X amp. And, right. And yeah. BC Rich guitar. Like I never went through that phase. I went straight to like sixty-five super reverb and yeah. seventy-one deluxe reverb black fit. You know, I went straight into that with old guitar, like nice. He had like a uh, a really nice uh super vintage seventies Eric Clapton Stratocaster. 
and all this kind of stuff. Like I went nice. into, I went straight into that. And so I remember being a kid. I remember very distinctly. I remember uh, asking him, "Hey, will you show me some stuff on the guitar?" And he said, "Okay, yeah, come over here and see if your hands are big enough." And they never, <laughs> they never were. <laughs> and so he go, "Well, when your hands get a little bigger, I'll show you." Uh, you know how to do it, which you know it was probably half. It wasn't going to work because my hands weren't big enough, and half like now I don't have to do this, uh, which is how I would feel for sure. <laughs> like, right, I really yeah. don't want to do this. Uh, I don't want you touching all my stuff, like all my really nice thousands of dollars of equipment. Uh, but eventually, I got to where I could hold chords and do stuff. So then he bought me my own guitar that I could play on, and uh, he had this little. Old, I still have it. That Yamaha amp that's back there. Uh-huh. That was uh-huh. my brother's. Uh, when he was uh, a little kid, and it was just he quit playing, so my dad hang, held on to it. We still have it back there. I still use it all the time. It's a phenomenal amp, just a solid state Yamaha, like yeah, hundred watt Yamaha solid state amp. It's a great amp. So I had that and a Strat in my in my bedroom, and I and he showed me. So getting back to that, he showed me, you know, basic bar chords and and sevens, and then. Uh, the blues progression, the one four five blues progression, right, and then yeah. the pentatonic major and pentatonic minor scale, and that was, uh, to my understanding at the time, I, that was about the extent of his knowledge because he didn't do it professionally. He just did it. He, you know, he had a very lucrative business that he ran and was successful in that way. So he did it kind of as a decompression, and so that was the extent of his knowledge. But I picked it up really fast, and like I got it, and I needed more. Like I wanted to figure out how to do more. So then I had books. Uh, that I learned out of and all of that. And then it just kind of went on from there. I, I started, he started taking me out to blues jams, uh, which would, you know, 30 people show up and every three songs, the whole entire band changes and you never really know who you're going to get up with yeah. from night to night. And you don't know what song you're going to play unless you're the one singing. And I wasn't singing yet, so right. I didn't. I just have to play along. They usually just look look at you and be like, "Hey, uh, this one's in a D." Yeah, basically, it's one four five. It's a shuffle in D. Yeah. Go. And then they go, and then you have to just try your best not to fuck it up. You know what always basically. blows my mind too is like when I I don't know if you've ran across some of these people that like are they can read music like to the T and can play anything you put in front of them. Mm-hmm. But if you were to look at them and say, "Hey, we're gonna go jam and D for a, you know a yeah. good while," they can't do it. Yeah, I know a lot of people like that. That's so crazy to it, me. It's crazy. Because I guess I learned the opposite way of that, where it's like I learned how to read music, but that wasn't like the thing that you didn't have to put it in front of me right. for me to, you know, I guess, try to figure out how what's going on. Right. I would just, I don't know, I guess I would listen. Maybe that's the biggest thing. Yeah, well, I, it's crazy to them that you can't that you can't read music, too, from yeah. the other side of the coin. Probably so. It's crazy Probably to them so. to think that you're a professional musician that doesn't do that. Yeah, it, it would take know me how to write charts. Yeah, exactly. It would take me a lot. I mean, I could do it, but it would take me a good while right. to do it. Right, and the same for them for improvising. But that's just that's how that's how they learn. They learn this is how the song goes. There's no need to deviate from that. Right, and that's a classical versus jazz argument, huh. uh, from my understanding. Is I know uh, a girl uh, here in Fort Worth uh, that is a phenomenal classical pianist. And she's just graduated. She's got a degree in performance. She's a phenomenal player. Put anything in front of her, and she will read it damn near perfectly the first time. Right. Just like phenomenal. on the spot. Yeah, cold. Never seen it before. Yeah, and, that's crazy. And, and she can't improvise. She just, just goes, I don't understand what, what, what you're doing. She knows infinitely more than I will ever know about music and right. how to do it. And, and if, she had, if she had that 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 concept of improvisation in her brain she would be 
unbelievable. She'd be on so, fire. So do you she think that's like it. a do you think that's like a, a like a right side of the brain type kind of thing when it comes to like having to read it like that? And then versus like a left side of the brain type kind of thing where it's just like, okay, if you kinda know where you're at, you can improvise. It could be that. I, I think that it has more to do with how, how you learn how to play. Because, well, did you ever, like, was when you were learning music just in general, was it about, like, numbers? Because I know a lot of people, oh, yeah. it was about numbers. 100%. Now, see, I can't, I can't do that. I, if you start throwing, like, anything with numbers, it yeah. just totally throws me off. Yeah. I don't mean, like, just, like, you know, the one, four, five type kind of thing. I right. just mean, like, <clears throat> some people have to think of it as, you know, counting all the time or... Oh, I don't do that. Just, like, yeah, just... If you, uh, Mike's, I guess the analytical side of me with music, it like f- throws up a middle finger or something. Yeah. Well, I th- I think I do that to a point. I I do, I, imp- I implore the uh, Nashville number system constantly. That's like I think that's one of the most. I I teach that to kids like first month uh, after they learn the major scale. They learn that every note in the major scale has a number attached to it, and every one of those numbers has a chord attached to it. Right. I teach them that as I think that's important. Beyond that, I've never really had to count along with beats or anything because I, I, I have a lot of natural rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, th- I don't know. I think, that, I think it has more to do with the way that you learn and the way that you have learned how to learn because you have to learn how to learn. You have to learn how to practice and you have to learn how you, how you internalize things. Right. I think that everyone, everyone's different in that regard, but I, I, I would say that you could probably put it into three groups. One of them being the people who they learn how to translate from what's on the page directly to their brain, directly to their hands. Uh, and then people who, who hear a progression and they can just orally pick out what it is and, and know how to to play around it and on it and then I think people there are people who can do both I think mm. those are the three types of people yeah and I lean more toward the improvisation side of it and, and, and using my ears because that's how I learned yeah I learned how to play piano on paper but once I had it memorized I wouldn't I would look at the paper but I wasn't reading it I was right, right, playing right. it from memory mm-hmm. and listening if I had a bad note I know I had a bad note not mm-hmm. because I saw it but because I heard it and then when I started going to blues jams <clears> and stuff I remember a lot of situations where I was the by far the crappiest musician on the stage. <laughs> and I would be the one that caused whatever train wreck happened. <laughs> and people would get mad. And they take that they take those blues jammers take that shit really seriously. And uh and and so I remember there was a lot of times where people would go like, Hey, it's in this key, uh, don't fuck it up. If you don't know what's going on, just stop playing. Yeah, that was a really big lesson that I learned at a really young age. Of, well, I think as a musician is, I think it's a big lesson for anybody. That's, that's a, a lesson that a lot of people that I know haven't fucking learned yet. <laughs> they still don't. If you know don't how know to do what that. you're fucking doing. Just stop. Just lay off. Stop playing. Don't force it. <laughs> Ain't no need for you to be. <laughs> yeah, trying to figure out what key we're in. And like that's that's a big thing about you and I do a lot of song swaps. That's a big thing about people who think they can play lead at song swaps that aren't very good lead players and they don't ask you what key you're in and they don't ask you if it's okay if you play on their song right i consider myself a fairly proficient guitar player and i i will wait for someone to go hey do you want to play on this song yeah uh-huh. and i just assume that they want me to just tinkle all over it because i will gladly yeah. but i don't want to i don't want to be that guy because i've been that guy where some guitar player who can barely play open chords 
they learned like one riff in a major scale and they keep playing it in different keys until they figure out what key I'm in. And next thing you know, we're two minutes into my song and the dude has just been playing at the same volume as me. Yeah. The all whole time. over the fucking song. Yeah. It makes me so mad when I do this. So I don't want to be that guy. But, and I, I'll tell him, I'll stop. I'll say, hey, shut the fuck up over this. Stop playing. <laughs> like, I've got, there's some people out there that, that are, don't like me because of that. And I would rather that than have them continue doing that. Yeah. My music. No, I think I, I've crossed that line a few times where I was just like, but you know, hey, I've heard you play enough. You can at least get you can play a solo like you can play a, you you have you're a, a better guitar player than i think you think you are oh i don't know i have i have good days and i have bad days that's for sure yeah well <laughs> that's, we all have that and it seems like uh well it just depends on i don't know i'm i'm one of those guys that like uh you know if if i've played a song for a while now you know, even if it's somebody else's song that, I, like, if you're talking about like a song swap or something, mm. like you just want to work up like a, a part for it. Yeah, you know, you don't want to just be yeah. all the time just something different. Like that drives me crazy. Like uh, when you have like a certain thing you're working towards, you want to have like a part for it. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I had one of those. Uh, I mean, I played with you last night, and mm-hmm. I got to one song that I was playing with freaking Justin and I, it's been a solid month and a half since I played that song with him mm-hmm. and I got to the solo part of it and I was like oh shit I totally forgot what the, what the hell I used to do on this yeah because it's just been that long since I played that song yeah and so those moments happen but you know I I do still believe like in uh you know like those like kind of parts on certain things yeah. or else if someone's like uh if you hadn't had that time to work up that part mm-hmm. then you just kind of do your own thing but there's yeah, a, it's a little point yeah there's like sure. a little continuity to certain things it's like when you go to see anybody live uh you want to hear them you know be like kind of do their own thing as far as change the arrangement or whatever but there's like i guess there's still like certain little parts that uh probably to the majority of people, they still want to hear that little tiny thing that makes them go, yeah, that's what I listen to yeah. in my car on the mm-hmm. way home, you know? Yeah. Something identifiable. Right. That goes a long way. But a lot of those, in song swap settings specifically, a lot of those people are just, they're just doing whatever. Yeah. It's hard to, to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I do a lot of those, and I don't particularly like it. I think that song swaps would be better served if each person just played their three songs. Yeah, and then the next person got up, or, or not got up, but then this person to your left. There's like three people up there. Like go in groups of two or three instead of one at a time. Mm. I think it would be it would be easier for me anyway, just to get into a groove. And a lot of the times when I'm doing like I do a place in town called Red Goose, uh, and you know, I know you play there a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I I there are a lot of times where there are people there to see me, and they may not be necessarily there to see the other person. And they'll go like, "Why don't you like play a set?" And then the other person play a set. Like, why don't you just switch off half hours? Mm. And that makes way more sense to me to do that. Is if over the court because then each person gets a thirty minute break, mm-hmm. and you're not just taking short breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, that eliminates the camaraderie and, and playing off of each other. But I well, would, yeah, I, I I agree with you on that. There's been many a times that I wish that was the case. But there's also it's hard because like I, I enjoy getting to like you know be on stage and play music with people like you. Yeah, where I. And then there's also times that I wish I was not on stage with that person. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
It's like I, I, I don't guess that think could I'm, be a night I, by night basis. Yeah, uh, there's there's lots of times I'm sure you feel the same way that like I I can't help you out and you're not gonna be able to help me out. This yeah. is just a yeah. It's just a it's just a bad match. Yeah, you know? yeah. That happens stylistically. That happens a lot, especially in places like Red Goose. Uh, I love I, I love playing. There. I really like it. But a lot of times Shane will the guy that books it and runs it. He will put you on the bill with someone that you don't know. He puts the bills together himself, mm-hmm. and so. A lot of the time, and so he'll put he'll put me up, and it's it's worked out really great. A lot of the time, like I met Eric Willis that way. Eric, now a great friend of mine and a phenomenal musician, really good singer and writer. Yeah, that but you can sing his he's stupid sing good, his ass off. stupid good. But I met him at Red Goose, and and they uh, Shane was telling me he was texting me going, dude, you've like I can't wait for you two to be on stage together. You're gonna love it. And he's done that. He said the exact same words about people that I that it didn't <laughs> it didn't work out. It didn't work but out. But he's yeah. got this idea in his head. But that's the kind of that's about that place. Is that you just don't really know. But in those settings, you can get there and, and see if it's gonna work or if it's not. And then you can decide. Okay, why don't we switch off thirty minutes? Mm-hmm. And, I, and then you don't have to do like yeah. in this like you just said. You can't help me. I can't help you. Like why don't you just do your thing for thirty minutes? Take a thirty minute break. And then at the same time, music never stops. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's good for the club because when you take a 20 or 30 minute break, people leave and quit, quit spending money. They start looking at their phone, realizing what time it is. But yeah. if you're playing nonstop for three hours, music nonstop, right. you know, your people who are there to see you get your 30 minutes. Yeah, that's really that's And then really they can talk point. to you for 30 I, minutes. I, you know, I never really even thought about that. And I don't wonder why uh, a lot of other venues don't think about doing stuff like that when they want to have like a song swap or whatever. Why don't you just put, you know, one act on for. 30, 45 minutes and then let the other guy come up and yeah. then vice versa. It's egoless. Know? There's no opener and closer, like right. headliner. You know what I mean? Just switching off times. Yeah. And and then you can get into a groove. That's the thing. That's the biggest thing for me about song swaps is that I can't get into a groove. I play a song, especially when there's three, maybe four people on stage. Yeah. Like I play my song and I'm and then I by the end of the song, like I'm into it. I'm in the right mindset. And then you gotta wait and then three I just songs. sit down and I stare at the floor yeah. for fifteen minutes. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. and it's and then I and then I have to do it again. So it's constantly it's this up and down. Uh but then again like last night playing with with you and and Justin, Justin Ross, uh it never is that way because all three of us play on all of our songs. So that makes right. it way more fun. Yeah. But in a mm-hmm. setting where I don't know the person, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. I'm, or the other people, yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing. Stare at my feet. I have to try really hard to not look disinterested. <laughs> and I have, I have a really bad face for that <laughs> because I look disinterested even when I'm happy. Like, I've got a really bad face for that. So, like, <laughs> I have I've, never, to like, no, I've never noticed I that. I have to actively be like smiling and looking around. Like I consciously will do that. Otherwise, I'm just like, fuck, this sucks. I miss this person. <laughs> <laughs> and, I have to, and then especially like when you do like the, the, the Red Dirt Roads thing with, Ju- with Justin Frizzell. Uh-huh. <laughs> I try because there are hundreds of like a couple hundred people there to see that all the time. And so right. you have to sit up there and like be really into it. Yeah. So you don't look like that guy. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because if you don't know anybody that's up there with you and you don't know any of their stuff yeah. or anything, then, you know, and the last thing you want to do is like what I call it is like dick stomping. Like yeah. you don't want to be that guitar player that's yeah. like, I'm just going to play over everything. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be that guy. No. And even if you uh, can figure out what key they're in or whatever, like you're kind of just waiting like, okay, are you going to sing or not sing? Yeah. Because you, you, you don't just, know the tune. You, you don't know the tune. how it goes. Yeah. So you just kind of wait. And then if you get the little, you know, head nod, like 
go for it, then that's that's the only thing you can rely on is that. Yeah. And other than that, you don't really know any of their stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I understand that situation too. It's just, it's a weird dick stomping. Dick stomping, man. That's, good, that's accurate. That's scary accurate. Because <laughs> that's what it feels like. That's when what someone's, it feels like. Man, when someone's just. Like if you're in the middle of a verse and somebody's oh, over yeah, there like just going hard. to town. Yeah. You're like, really? Like, you know, this is. Stop. This playing. is supposed to be, you know, a melodic part of the song. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not supposed to be playing right now. Playing through your dramatic breaks. <laughs> like, oh, he's not playing fucking riff right here for sure. <laughs> hey, but man, you know. Uh, there's certain guitar players that just they gotta show you everything they got. Yeah, and I try really hard not to be that guy because I feel like I can do I can do that. I've played with a lot of people. I've played with a lot of genres, and I and I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that I I try really hard not to be that guy because I don't want to be that guy. I don't want people to go like, "We fucking get it. Stop." Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, fucking quit. <laughs> Exactly. I know people like that who do that, and they're not very good. And you're like, "Come on, man! Like, you're just you had that thought. It was a good thought. You, you didn't execute it. It was shitty. And then you like now this is like on the radio, and we're recording this. And oh yeah, like people are listening to this. See, and they think, think that you're like a... affiliated with me, and they don't know that you're not. And now, right. it's, now my song is shitty because you played in the wrong key. <laughs> like, think about that kind. Of, think about yeah. it from that point of view. That like, brings if, up what a, if I did that to you? That brings like, up a good point. Like, especially if you're live on the radio or something. It's like, all right, that should be the time that you should know yeah. to like take a step back and be like, okay, you know, yeah, maybe I do practice a lot or whatever. I've been working on these scales or whatever. This is not the time to bring them out. No. You know, you wait no. till a, a point where <laughs> it's not live on the radio. Yeah. Because the people listening, they don't know that you're not, like, they don't know who's playing. Yeah, the exactly. They don't know that it's not me playing yeah. the guitar mm-hmm. in the wrong key, playing the shit. <laughs> like, they don't fucking know. But they don't care because they hear if it's good or if it's bad. They don't care. Like, they're not breaking it down their head going, well, okay, well, what if it's this guy that doesn't know the song? Okay, well, we'll forgive yeah, no. that. They don't give a yeah. shit about that. No, it's a they snap don't. judgment. Mm-hmm. They play something that's wrong, and it's wrong. The song's bad. Yep. And they'll never listen to it again. And then after that, you know, it's like a weird human nature. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also just lives on forever. Like once that thought goes yeah. through their head, oh, man. they don't ever let it go. They're like, "Man, ain't I heard him that one time on blah blah blah, and it just was shit." And then you have to deal with that for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, for real, for the rest of your life. And that's a real thing. <laughs> that's a real thing. And more specifically, I had two records pulled recently because of that because like they're shitty they're not shitty they're just old i don't sound like that anymore yeah and i didn't want people to hear me for the first time in 2016 and look me up and find a record from 2008 and go well this is not very good at all yeah yeah and then not listen to the the new stuff and be like okay well i like this if i had to pull i had i had uh two records pulled from online and a single that is an old single so i'm down to less records which i think is better because it's a more accurate version of what i'm doing but it looks less impressive when you don't have five records up which i have five records out but i've only got three of them up and one of them is a live cd so that doesn't really count so right i got two records out yeah you, you know it's not as impressive looking well i don't know if it's impressive either way if you have multiple records or whatever i guess the only way that i ch- chalk it up to is you know something we were talking about yesterday is that you know i've been recording music since i was 15 so mm-hmm. i kind of just 
chalk it up to that. Like, yeah, that was the 15-year-old me. Mm-hmm. You want to go check it out? Check it out. And some people <laughs> are going to like that more than they like, you know, the 28-year-old me. Sure. And that's fine, too. The best, the only way I look at it is this, like, um, between me and my family and all the money we had to spend mm-hmm. to make those things, um, I'm going to leave that shit up there so if they want to still buy it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I was watching. I guess it's, it's not, you're making that decision for them if you don't allow them to make the decision for themselves. And right. That's not fair, I guess. That's a good point. Uh, well, the other thing is, uh, I was watching, have you seen uh, Straight Outta Compton, mm-hmm. the NWA movie? Mm-hmm. I was watching it yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, it's a great uh, movie. Yeah, it was great. And there was a part where they're like in a tour bus and uh, – they're driving down the road or something or going to a gig and they're looking out the window and there's all these people that have uh, all their records on the ground and they're like running over it mm-hmm. with like a like a freaking steamroller or something and right. like crushing they're all like, the records and everything yeah. and easy just goes I don't give a shit what they do with it. They already bought they it. They bought it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> they paid for it. They yeah, do they paid they for it. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm kind of the same way. Like on that, I'm like, I was like, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, do yeah. whatever you want to with it. At yeah. this point in time, it's like it's it's, and that's kind of what we were talking about earlier too. Is like, I just like, I'm to the point now where I have to get some of this shit just out of my system. Yeah. Before I can move on to the next thing, or if not, it just eats me up. Yeah. So it's like at that point in time, it's like get it out, get it out, get it out, and then, you know, just whatever. You just move on past it. And if people, you know, they like the old shit, then go buy the old shit. Yeah. I I can relate to that. I had a really big uh, backlash. I say really big. uh, Within my fan base, backlash when I did my most recent record and I dropped the horn section a lot of people didn't like that because we've been running horns for like two and a half or three years now Mm -hmm. and we did that record and live record and it was big band funk stuff and i made an americana record and a lot of people a lot of new people that didn't care for the the horn stuff jumped on board and then a lot of people who really liked the horn stuff got off board it was a really weird I got some weird emails from some people that were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> don't, like, why would you ever not do what you're still like? And, I, and my res- my only response to that is like you were just saying is that I just, I, I wrote these songs. I yeah, got to get them out. Got to get them out. Once they're done. Then you move on to I'm the I'm going to do another record. Yeah. It's going to have horns on it, but it's going to be an amalgamation of the two. I'm going to, yeah. it's going to be, you know, I learned, I learned from the funk record how to do that. I learned how to, how to run a big band and how to write parts and arrange and, and have eight moving parts all at once. It didn't sound cluttered. And sometimes it did sound cluttered. And then I learned how to, I was, I learned how to write songs and be a songwriter. Like, and I'm, you know, I'm still working on that. And, and then I'm going to try to put the two together. And that's even harder. Like we were talking about yesterday, I think that. In funk, a, a lot of the time the lyrics are an afterthought. It's music that that drives that genre, right? And I'm trying to like write lyrics to go along. To go, with yeah, that. like that are good lyrics now because yeah. now that I've like had a taste of of that, now I'm like, well, I can't just write hokey crap lyrics and yeah. put them on good music. It's got to be both now. Uh-huh. And then you're venturing into the you know the Alan Stone world of of doing soul music but having a message at the same time and right. that's something that i never try to do and i now that's what i'm trying to do and it's so fucking hard it is it's really hard. hard to do man and he does it so well yeah, he and makes I, it look fucking easy he really does but obviously he's got writers and he's got you know that kind of he didn't write very much of that last record i don't think or he had a lot of co-writes 
with that last know. record. That's what the way I understood it is he didn't the first record he did, he wrote all those songs by himself. And then this last one he had a lot of like team of writers with him. He had his name on it, but yeah. He didn't do he didn't just sit out and pen all those awesome songs out himself. But that's what you need. You have to have that's the point of having co writes and having three or four people in a room. Right, yeah. Cause throw it, out this line that you would have never thought of and then that's a phenomenal line. And that's the only thing they do, but that yeah. line makes that that verse what it is. Like that kind of stuff. But well, it's really it, hard to do. Well, it'd be like, kind of like what you're saying with people, you know, writing emails or something like that. It's, it's like, you almost want to write them back, and be like, yeah, okay, so you get up and eat fucking Cheerios every fucking single day, <laughs> right? That's what you do. Okay, right. go ahead and do that for about three and a half years and see if you don't want to, you know, occasionally want to have, you know, some right. lucky charms or something, right? Like, I fucking it, hate lucky charms. <laughs> you get what I'm saying, so though. gross. <laughs> I don't even, even, like, I can't, okay, I am the Cheerio guy if it comes to cereal. Really? I'm, I'm straight up just like old, old school Cheerios. I'm lactose intolerant. Are you really? I mean, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get really, I don't know, it makes my stomach hurt. It makes your stomach real, hurt? I get real farty. <laughs> So I try to yeah. avoid. I don't like milk anyway. I hate cereal. I don't. You know, I'm not really a breakfast guy in general, Man. unless it's like some, some like a you know hash browns and bacon yeah. and eggs That's or something like that. You know. Yeah. Keep your cereals. Keep your milk. <laughs> I, had, I went on an almond milk kick for for a while. I was getting that vanilla almond milk. I like that, but I can't do it every day. And I would put it like I had. A I would butt. cook with it. I had a buddy of mine that was lactose intolerant, like for real lactose intolerant. Yeah. Like it would get bad. Not like self-diagnosed. No. Like me. <laughs> it was it was bad. Like I ate a bowl of cereal and then I fart 20 minutes later and I'm like, oh, well, oh. oh fuck, I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> but uh, occasionally, like we'd be teenagers and we'd want to eat some pizza and it would be like seven of us and him and everybody wanted pizza and he was like, fuck it. I'll do it. And so we'd eat pizza, and what he would do is he would scrape off all the fucking cheese, Ugh. man, and just eat the fucking bread and, and the sauce and the toppings. And that was it. Yeah. And I give him mad credit. <laughs> that's, that's dedication, that's I dedication. guess. dedication. He was like, fuck it. I'm not going to screw it up for everybody else. And, yeah, it's pretty funny. It is funny. <laughs> I don't have that problem. I can eat pizza all day long. You can eat <laughs> I just, milk, straight up milk makes my stomach hurt. And Lucky Charms are shit. I don't even know if I I've even actually, actually ever had Lucky Charms. Marsh, they're not marshmallows. It's, it's cardboard. It's I used to chew. be into uh, Smacks as a kid. You remember Smacks? I never had Smacks. Smacks were I ate a lot of honeycomb delicious. as a kid. A lot of honeycomb and uh, Cheerios. My mom would give me Cheerios mixed with Raisin Bran and top it off with honey. And that's, that's pretty good. That's a good one. Yeah, she can give you a little... A little mixture, it's, everything. Yeah, and it was really good. And I then also you drink like the milk. Like I liked it as a kid. You drink the milk with the honey in the bottom. Like mix it up in the end when there's no cereal left. And drink mm-hmm. it. It's, it's mm-hmm. phenomenal. Thanks, mom. See, that's what I used to always like about uh, Cocoa Krispies. Yeah, chocolate milk. Man, for sure. It was like yeah. yeah, breakfast and then chocolate milk at the end. It was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sugar for breakfast. Yeah. Ah, oh, damn. <laughs> I'll walk down cereal memory lane mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. It's pretty solid. So I'm going to be playing with you soon. We're doing yeah. a gig together. I haven't listened to any of your songs yet. That's all right. 
but I'm going to spend the next week doing that. <laughs> Who are we opening for? Oh, that's a good question. I already forgot. Somebody. Robert Earl Keane. That's it. Like that. Is that what it is? That's exactly nice. what it is. Nailed nice. it. Nice. Yes. It'll be a... I saw him. I was playing with Zach Wilkerson at Bison Fest, which is out in the middle of nowhere. Um, I, like Bob Wills' home to Turkey, Texas, which is about an hour south of Amarillo. And they have this festival every year because there's uh, there's a, a, a herd. Of, you call it a herd of bison, I guess. I guess so. A flock. It's not a flock. No, it's not a flock. It's got to be a, be a herd. It will be a herd of bison, and it's the only remaining pure blood bison herd. You, like in the United that States? That exists ever. Oh, really? Anywhere. Oh, so they've been around for a good while. Yeah, this just this little group, this herd, yeah, and they and they've been protected, environmentally protected by by uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife. Well, that's cool. And so they make this festival every year, and they do, um, it's all the a lot of the money goes toward continuing protection, um, for this herd of bison, and it's they're growing, and it's like they're doing a really good thing out there for this for this pure blood bison. And so they have this festival, this music festival every year, and I played it with Zach, and he's done it the last couple of years, but I've only been with him since July. And Robert O'Keefe was headlining that, and uh, I remember we got there, this is funny, and has nothing to do, I'm not, disclaimer, I'm not shitting on Robert O'Keefe or his band, he wasn't a part of this, but we pulled up, and there, his band was sound checking, and they were a phenomenal band, but they, I didn't know that that's what they were doing, and there's this big band, and it was a bunch of dudes uh, older dudes and and they're wearing like jean shorts and these they look. Have you ever seen the Instagram rigs of dad? No, it's the funniest thing that you'll ever see. <laughs> it's called rigs of dad, and they take pictures like that you find on Facebook of of just generic dude with a crappy guitar and a crappy rig on a crappy stage, like posing real cheesy, but he thinks he looks cool. Gotcha. And they'll gotcha. make this like backstory about him. Oh, wow. Totally made up, 100% made up. <laughs> and they'll make this story about this guy, and it's some of the funny. You have to look it up. It's one of some of the funniest things called Rigs of Dad. But they looked like that. Like okay. they looked like a picture that would have been on this Instagram some post. And they were playing jean shorts and some uh, tube socks. Yeah, and like K Swiss white K Swiss shoes, oh, and like they, they, what you would imagine. Okay, and, and then okay. a couple yeah. of younger dudes and and whatever. And they but they sounded really good. And they were but they were playing some really really played out cheesy cover, like Jailhouse Rock or something like that. And they were they went around and and there's like I'm not kidding. There's like ten of them on the stage. And every person took a solo. Well. I didn't realize that they were sound checking, so everyone needed to do that during this song. Right. And they get like six minutes into this song, and everyone's, and then the next guy takes a solo, and then one of the guitar players play. He had three different rigs. He had an acoustic, an electric, and a dobro, like a Jerry Douglas-style dobro. And he played three solos, one on each instrument, and I was going, dude, like, you don't have to play them all in the same fucking song. Like, <laughs> I thought, like, I had no idea they were sound checking. And then they got done, and they were like, and they were like, and they went out, and then they got in the bus that was behind the stage. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes way more sense now. But I was walking up going like, what is this? What is happening? Who are these people? <laughs> this 10-minute version of Jailhouse Rock. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it was pretty wild. But anyway, check out the Bison Fest because they're doing, they're doing good work. They do it every year. It's good. They do good work out there. Oh, man. Zach plays it every year, and, and they like Zach a lot. Uh, out there in Turkey, Texas, I think that's where Bob Wills is from. 
So or thought, he lived there maybe or something he, like that. I thought I could be totally wrong on this, but I thought you know, Bob Wills is like kind of like a big deal in Oklahoma too. I don't so know. So I wonder if I didn't grow up around country music, so I don't really have the answers. Yeah. My introduction to country music was like five years ago. I'm 30, and I joined a, a classic country cover band playing bass and singing harmonies, and some of some of the most fun I ever had playing music. But I knew nothing about country music. Gotcha. And they were they had they made this set list of what I now know to be 100 percent standards, and I didn't know any of them. I didn't know what any of them were. They were like, uh-huh. "Hey, that, let's do Silver Wings." Like. One, two, three, four. And I go, I don't know what the fuck that is. Like, yeah. like how does this go? I, I, and none of them are hard. Like, I figured it out. But but it's like, and they would look at me and go, you know, Silver Wings? I, go, I don't have any. I've never heard that in my life. I don't know yeah. what that is. I didn't grow up around that. Yeah, it's no, not, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I didn't either. I just was. Uh, so I'm not the authority on Will, where Bob Wills is from. Yeah, That's I'm not either. That's my preface to that. I just statement. always, for whatever reason, I had like some vision of uh, Bob Wills in Tulsa or something. Or I don't know. I could be way off on this. I feel like you're just making stuff up. I think I'm just making shit up now. <laughs> I thought there was like something something with Bob Wills in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yep. And maybe. I mean, I'm sure he played there. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was just <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. I don't have the answers to these questions. <laughs> I wish I did. Yeah. No, my uh yeah, no, my country music is is not very great either. It's it's weird being in this market in this part of the of the world, and by world I mean state. Is, is doing the style of music that you and I are trying to do, like soul based music. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to do in Texas and surrounding without competing directly with country music. You can't do any genre of music without competing directly with country music. Right, they're the biggest slice of the pie by a very wide margin. You really think so? I, think? I really do. Because I don't, I think it's a hundred percent because their fans are are insanely loyal, mm-hmm. and when they're once you like, if if you walk into a place that that normally has that for live music, and and you walk in and they go, oh well, what kind of music do you play? And you say, oh, we play soul music. They're gonna automatically be like, well, we're not gonna stick around for that. <laughs> but if you walk in and go, oh, we play Texas country, they're gonna go, great, we're gonna sit around, we're gonna love it. And they already know. They've already made that decision. And there are more places like that than are not like that. You know, it's funny. That brings up a, a funny story that I got about two different bands. And I'm not going to name the bands. Good. But they would... They, not on my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> they, would, uh, they would come out and I would ask them about that kind of thing because I didn't really think that they were, you know, a country band or anything. And uh, they literally would say... You know, what you got to do is you just come out there on stage and the first thing out of your mouth is, hi, I'm blah, 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 and we play country music and then just do whatever the fuck you want after <laughs> just that. Just play, play all your normal stuff. Yeah. And I, I know yeah. two people, are two bands pretty much, yeah. that said uh, they were they did that all the time. And, yeah. And so far, it's seemed to work for him. <laughs> nobody, so. nobody can tell the difference. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, man. I've had this. This I've said this a million times, and I'm sure I'll say it a million more times. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the general population doesn't know anything about music, like how to play it, how to categorize it, any of that. They don't know. 
They don't know because they don't need to know. It doesn't matter. They just know whether or not they like it. They know what they like. They don't know why they like it, but they know that this is what I like, this thing. They hold it in their hand. They go, I like this Mm -hmm. only. Mm -hmm. But they don't know what that is. And so if you tell them, I do this, and it's but it's this, they don't fucking know. They don't care. It doesn't yeah. matter to them because they're not. It's not that they're not smart enough to know the difference. Is that they just don't know. It doesn't matter to them. Right. I know because I play music. Yeah, I can they tell don't you think about it the way I can we tell do. you sub sub genres and subcategories of neo soul music. Yeah. You know what I mean. But yeah. it all pretty much sounds exactly the same. But I can tell you. You know what I mean. I can hear it and go, Oh, that's from New York. That's from L.A. That's from Houston. That's you know what I mean. I can do that. But that's because that's what I do. Yeah. But like. Texas country people, I've done that. I had the same. I had the same thing. I used to play blues stuff. I grew up doing blues. Like my dad showed me blues. I played a bunch of blues jams. So I, my first couple of bands were blues rock, very guitar heavy type bands. And I started writing my own stuff, and it came out as soul music because that's what I like. Right. And I remember, I, I very adamantly quit using the word blues. Because I was not getting gigs. Because we're we don't want a blues band. That's shitty. Mm. We want literally anything else. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so there were there were venues, <laughs> venues that I still play that I tried to get into and go, oh yeah, we play like blues rock and they'd you know, be like no, stuff. and they would that word blues turns them off. Yeah. And then eventually I would come back and just go, oh, we play just soul music, funk music. Yeah. And then we would play the exact same set, and they would fucking oh, we love it. It's great. Keep going. Keep playing. We do the same thing. I my fan base and my gigs and my the money coming in grew tenfold the day that I stopped using the word blues. That's so weird. In my marketing. Huh. It is weird. It's weird, but the problem is that that again is that people don't know. Yeah. Everyone here's why I think people don't like blues. And this goes back to the blues jams. And I'm not for anyone that I that knew has known me since I was a teenager playing blues jams, I this is not I'm not shitting on you. This is my disclaimer. I'm not shitting on you. <laughs> Everyone has been at a restaurant on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and they have walked into a restaurant and sat down, and then a band set up and started having a blues jam, and they weren't aware of it, and they didn't know it was going to be there. They didn't go to see it, and then they're held captive by this awful, awful blues jam because there are mm. musicians that use the blues jams the way they should be utilized. They're for people who don't have bands. They're for bankers and doctors who have a guitar. They just want to get up on stage, play a couple songs, enjoy themselves. And I don't care about that. That's all fine and good. It's not very good to listen to mm. a lot of the time. Yeah. Not all the time, but a lot of the time, it's just not very good. And it doesn't matter to them, and it shouldn't matter to anybody because that's not what it's for. They're not trying to sell tickets. Tuesday night doesn't matter. Right. But you're running people out of your restaurant that way. Yeah, yeah. Blues jams have notoriously shut down restaurants because people will stop going to that restaurant because they have been held captive by a crappy blues band for an hour yeah. while they're trying to eat their meal and they can't hear anything because it's too loud. Right. And that, that as well, everyone's had that experience. I think that's why people don't like the word blues. I think they think that. They think really, really long extended guitar solos which is pretty synonymous with that genre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they think about that and they go, well, I don't like that. I don't want that. But when I, when I say that and people go, oh, I hate blues, I go, okay, well, that's cool. Do you like the Rolling Stones? And they go, yeah, I love the Rolling Stones. I go, do you like the Beatles? Do you like Stevie Ray Vaughan? Like, yeah. They're all blues bands. Like, don't, you don't have to turn it off the entire genre just because you've, you know what I mean? Like, right. I, I feel like that's, that's, that's what people 
People don't realize that, and they don't need to because it's really not their problem because they have their own life and they have their own career, and I can be a snob about it all I want, but it doesn't really matter. But I, that's how I view the Texas country fans is that if it's not if it's not that if you don't put it to them in the right way, fuck it. yeah. If you don't and 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 that's not everybody. I'm not blanketing the entire genre because I have a lot of Texas country fans are my fans and yours as well, right? And and I'm not blanketing the entire genre, but there's a, there's been a handful of times where I've gone into a place and and they they listen to the first couple of songs and they go. I don't know what this is. And they ask you what it is and you go, well, it's soul music. And they go, well, I don't like that. And I go, well, do you know that you don't like it or do you just not like it because it's not the word that you're used to? And that's, yeah. there I are wonder, a lot of people that are like that. Do you it think it bothers me? But you're like, going back to my original point, sorry. Uh, going back to my original point is that you have to, no matter what genre you're in, you're fighting that because that's the biggest slice of the pie here, regionally where we are. Yeah. If you yeah. drive 500 miles in any direction, no one knows what that genre of music is no, and they don't care. They don't. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And then you can present to them a package without having to without having to doctor it with words. You right. can just play your music and, and they'll either like it or they won't. And sometimes they won't and that's fine because music is obscenely subjective. But sometimes they will. Yeah. But you don't give them the opportunity to not like it before you play it to them. This may be like a self-involved type kind of answer to some of that, but... Like now, I just, you know, when people ask me what kind of music you play, I go, I play my music. Yeah. I don't even I fucking. play songs I wrote. I don't even fucking give them like a yeah, genre. It's I play, like, I play songs how am I, I supposed wrote. to explain that to you? Like, it's, yeah. it's too all over the place. Yeah. And your career has been so lengthy that it's involved a lot of different stuff. Exactly. That has now formed who you are today. Exactly. So it's just like you'd fuck have it. to name off like eight genres. <laughs> yeah, it's a combination <laughs> of these eight things <laughs> yeah, that I've done exactly since I was fifteen. Uh, you want to come back tomorrow? We can write yeah. this all down yeah. on a piece of paper. <laughs> let me let me think about that. My answer to that is when people like this happens really a lot when I do acoustic gigs. Is someone will come up to me as I'm setting up and they'll go, "Hey, first of all, they'll go, hey, are you playing tonight?'" No, and I'll go. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just, just like, <laughs> what are you like? What? <laughs> and then the second question I'm just plugging all this shit yeah, in for no reason. People are, people are so, I don't know. I think that people do that as a default. They don't even realize how dumb that question sounds because that happens to me constantly. <laughs> well, you, hey, you playing, well, you playing music tonight? You playing music? No, man. Um, I'm just. No. So then they'll go. <laughs> so then they'll go. Well, what kind of music do you play? And I always, always, always say, what kind of music do you like? And then they'll go, oh, well, I like this. And I go, great. I do some of that. There you go. That's actually, that's, that's a great a, answer, that's too. Only, my only response. Yeah. One time that was turned around on me, uh, and it was actually like two weeks ago, I said that to this guy. I said, well, what kind of music do you like? And he goes, well, I like, I like a little bit of everything. I said, well, <laughs> I play a little bit of everything. And he was like, well, but like what? <laughs> Damn it. I go, okay, well you got me there. Like now I have to name off. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, now I have to You out mine fucked me. You did, you did. Like I thought I had the upper hand on that and he like he had heard that answer before and he knew how to how to combat that. He got me. And so I had to my standard answer to that is is anywhere from uh Stevie Wonder to Van Morrison. Hey, and yeah. everything in between. Mm -hmm. So I don't know anyone in any genre of music that doesn't like Stevie Wonder, and I don't know anyone in any genre of music that doesn't like Van Morrison. Those are my hot words, my hot button words that I mm -hmm. use. Also, CCR 
original CCR. I don't know anyone that doesn't like Credence. Mm-hmm. I've never met a human being who didn't like Credence. So that may be my, but I don't play any Credence songs. So I, I'd be lying if I said that. Yeah. <laughs> I do a couple of Van Morrison tunes. <laughs> I would tell people for a while, I was like, uh, if uh, Lenny Kravitz, John Mayer, and Justin Timberlake had a baby, all right, I'm that guy. Yeah. And then I'd still get looks like, fuck, like that doesn't even work? Shit. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's pretty specific. No, you <laughs> it's pretty, bro- yeah, it's you pretty gotta, specific. You got to broaden it up a little bit. <laughs> I got to fucking broaden it up a little bit. Because so now I, I just get- go, I play my own stuff. It's all original music. Stick around. If you don't like this one, you might like the next one. And if you don't like that one, then I don't know what to <laughs> tell you. Maybe you'll like the next one. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this for two hours. If you didn't like that, maybe you'll like this. I, uh, I, I feel like I can, I can quell the Texas country people by saying Van Morrison. And I can quell people who like other styles of music by saying Stevie Wonder. I feel like that covers all grounds yeah. for me. Because uh, Van Morrison is is that singer covers that singer songwriter in a nostalgic way. I don't know. That's that's my thing. I play mostly you know sixty forty seventy thirty uh, original to covers anyway. Mm-hmm. But people don't if they don't know who you are, they don't want to hear your original music. Mm. You have to. I've I've learned how to sugarcoat my original music with covers. Play play a cover that everybody knows, then play two original songs that kind of maybe sound like that song. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. kind of the way that I try to do it. If I give a shit, if I don't, if I'm just doing, if no one's listening, I'm just doing whatever it is. Yeah, see, that's that's my problem, bro. I just stop giving a shit. It's easy to do, man. It's easy to do. I have a problem with that. If people aren't into it, like by the second song, I totally retreat within myself and I just I just ride it out through the rest of the gig. But I know that there's been a handful of times where I've been bound and determined to win the room. And I will eventually mm-hmm. if I do that. But it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work on a Tuesday night by yourself in the corner of a bar. Mm. It's really hard to yeah. put yourself in that mindset. But every now and then I'll get there. I, I had a gig uh, last week, last Wednesday. It was like that. I was in front of this crowd and none of them knew who I was and they didn't care and they didn't look like the type of crowd that was going to enjoy what I was going to do. And I played a handful of songs that I thought that they might like, and they did, and it worked. And then, and then I started playing original music, and because they had already decided that they liked me, mm. I was golden. Gotcha, and gotcha. I, I had them for the rest of the whole night, and it mm-hmm. turned out to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. And I made a shitload in tips, and I played a couple of songs that I'm not proud to say that I played uh, covers <laughs> that they requested, but because they paid for it. You know what I mean? They earned it. And they yeah. were being attentive, and they bought CDs, and I gave out koozies, and they, I got like 10 new likes on Facebook specifically from that evening. Like It, it really worked the way that it should have. That happens like one out of 50 times <laughs> right. that it works out that way. <laughs> yeah. The other 50 times, I could, be, I could be holding my middle finger up while I'm playing, and no one would even notice because they're so not paying attention to me. Yeah. No, there's, yeah, there's, I, I was talking to somebody a while back and I was like, yeah, I, I could have literally just went up there and farted in the microphone and they would have been totally fine with yeah, it. They would have never known. <laughs> that happens a lot, man. That happens a lot. I do a lot of those gigs. Those gigs, the shittiest part about it is those gigs pay the best for me. Yeah. No, my, you, my weekday, yeah, right, my yes. weekday corner of the room, bring one speaker on a stick, take up as little room as possible on, in the corner of this bar gigs. Mm-hmm. They pay the most. And so I end up doing a lot of them because of that. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's a really weird conundrum. 
Yeah. I don't know. You know, like, uh, we, when we do, like, the band stuff, we don't play too many cover songs. And if we do, it's, like, stuff that we worked worked out. So, like... With all my with, with with all my guys, like it's it's hard to be like, hey, you know, let's play this song or whatever, you know. We've kind of just had like, you know, a whole like routine set up. I guess like on acoustic shows and stuff, I occasionally, but even then, like uh, I don't. You played enough shows for me that mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like I don't go spend a lot of time uh, practicing cover songs unless no. I'm just like super excited about them. Yeah. Something you, know? you really want to learn. Yeah. Like that Bernhoff song you whipped out last night. <laughs> yeah, like stuff like that. Like I know that somewhere down the line that's going to, you know, make me better at something. But uh, for the most part, like I just don't ever have – if I'm going to go spend the time to sit down and practice or work on something, it's like I might as well just utilize utilize this time to like write something, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think you're better served doing that, coming up with your own stuff. I, to a point, I think that learning cover songs – is good, but it can totally turn into a crutch. Yeah. And it has for me. I, I've, I'll find myself in a dry spell of writing, and I'll find myself learning so many covers and because uh, I think that those are better than the songs that I've got. And then I'll go, well, why don't I, like, why don't I take that vibe and write my own version of that vibe? Yeah. Instead of just learning this dude's song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Not rip it off, but, but, but take that vibe and that you know that that groove and that feeling and and do my own version of that yeah and and you know I've just never sat down and like uh, like not that I have anything gar- against like Garth Brooks or something right but I've never sat down and been like I'm gonna learn this Garth Brooks song so I can whip it out at a show right and make everybody go yeah fucking Garth like it's just, yeah I've never done that either it's never been my thing no. I, I learn cover songs because I, they're songs that I like and that I would enjoy singing because I like the song. That's yeah. the only cover songs that I do are songs that then I it's, genuinely yeah, enjoy. Then it's, you know, it's at that point in time, it's it's no fun anymore. <laughs> no, no, and I'm and it's it's uh, it becomes more about pandering, and exactly. I've never really been interested in pandering. Yeah. I, you know, I do I do covers. I don't do all covers. You know, I do I do less covers. Yeah, but you do some originals. You do some kick ass covers though too. I yeah, I'll throw them down, but it's because they're songs that I like. It's, right, I, I do them with with the the amount of passion that I do them with because they're songs that I I enjoy and I want them to be cool because I like them because mm-hmm. I want to listen to them. You know what I mean? Not yeah. because I not because I think someone's going to turn their head and go, "Oh yeah, I remember that song" or mm-hmm. whatever. I do them because it's a song that I'm going to listen to on my way home. Mm-hmm. You know, I've mm-hmm. got a playlist on my phone of songs that I've liked off of Spotify Radio or whatever, and I guarantee you, every cover song that I play in my set, my acoustic set, is on that list somewhere. And I'll throw that on while I'm driving, and I'll listen to it because it's good songs or whatever. That's that's what I do. I I've never been interested in pandering. Because I think that once you start pandering, the first pander you do, then that's all you're doing for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. That's all you're doing. If you play one Texas country song on accident, all people want to hear the rest of the night is Texas country. Yeah, it's like how many times have you been asked, uh, hey, play some fucking wagon wheel? Yeah, you know what? I get to ask that a lot. And uh, depending on their demeanor, sometimes I'll shit on them and sometimes I won't. <laughs> uh, I had a guy come up to me uh, last week on Thursday, and I was I was uh, live streaming my gig on on Facebook because there was oh. literally three people there and they weren't watching me. Oh, is that the one where I made the? Uh, yeah, because my phone was pointed straight, straight at my at crush. Your junk. I had no idea. It was because I couldn't see it, so I didn't know. So it was hilarious, <laughs> and so. 
But this you guy. You sound good, by the way, but I just had yeah, to, I had to well, make I, the joke. You know what? I had to force myself to do that because I was so checked out of that gig because there were literally, okay, so it's like a shotgun patio. So think think Magnolia Motor Lounge, lounge size patio, uh-huh. but three times as long. Okay. The same width, but three times as long. And I'm at one end. I think I know the place you're talking about. It's, a, it's out in Murphy. Maybe I don't know the place it's, you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, it's on the other side of the Metroplex. And it's it's long shotgun patio, but it was a it was a Thursday night. So no there wasn't really anybody there. Right. And so but and the people that were there were at the other end because that's where the bar was. Oh gotcha. And okay. So it was had nothing to do with the venue being wrong. Because yeah. I've played there before where the whole patio was packed and uh-huh. they loved it and they were all the way up front. But that particular day there were three people on my half because it was elevated a little bit, and they were at the all the way at the other end just because there were no more tables where the other people were. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they weren't watching. And so I, the only way for me to I, – I realized how aggressively I was mailing this gig in about – 10 songs in my first set so my second set i forced myself to live feed on facebook just so i would have a reason to give a shit yeah and, and do something that sounded good and uh and that like that was my only way of of saving it at that point i forget where i was going with that well it sounded good and your crotch was uh you know yeah looking like a it crotch was, it was on point my jeans were clean i washed them <laughs> the day before so that's good i just thought it was funny that when i was watching it i was like i can't believe nobody's Nobody's no one's gonna comment on that. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, like, I, you know, I I have a, a very tasteful fan base, <laughs> and I appreciate that. And you yeah, came yeah, in, I came and in and just up. ruined it for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Damn it, that's okay. It was funny, and I didn't even realize it was funnier after I I turned it around and I didn't see it, obviously, and then I pulled it up and I was going to read the comments and that was the first comment I saw. And I was like, what's he talking about? And I scrolled down and it was just straight straight crotch, <laughs> like navel to knees crotch for an hour. Uh, isn't that shitty with the Facebook Live stuff? It, like you just I can't use my front camera. The sound doesn't work when I use my front camera. Oh, so you had I think to like... I think it's my phone is the issue, not So you had to have it turned Facebook, around, so you don't really have it... I had no idea what it looked like. Oh. So on the, it's on the third set, when I set it up, I set it up on a table that was out in front of me, and I looked at it, like, I bent down and looked, I leaned it up against a bottle, yeah, and, and I looked at it, and like I could see what it was. Yeah, I could and... see where it was at that point. <laughs> Oh, man. What I need to do, and I've been threatening this for a really long time, is to get one of those clip-on-your-mic stand phone yeah. holders. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to be that guy. I don't like the way that looks. I when like I see someone with either. an iPad attached to their mic stand, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. It's the same either. as like wearing shorts on stage. Like I'm not that, or like even having a, you know, like a what is it, like the drink holder? Yeah, the little clip on thing. the mic stand drink holder. Yeah, it's cheesy. I don't, I don't like, like the way, the way that looks either. No. Shorts on stage, though, that's a... It bothers that's me. A, that's a bad one. Man. I can forgive flip-flops if I have to, but I don't like it. For I would never do it. But if it's jeans and flip-flops, you can't really tell. Yeah, okay, okay. So I'm not looking at, I'm not looking at people's feet to see if they're wearing shoes. All but right. I can see very obviously if you're wearing shorts. Yeah. And I look, I, 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 I'm really bad about, and I'm guilty of it, and I apologize if this pertains to you, anyone listening. If you're wearing shorts on stage, I immediately discredit you as a musician. <laughs> I do, and I don't mean to. <laughs> Just, yeah, you already get you already get that. You weird haven't even vibe. you haven't even played yet, and I assume that you're not very good. <laughs> it's and it's so true. I think it's a hundred percent because I don't think that you are taking 
the gig or yourself seriously enough. Yeah. To be wearing shorts on. You're not, you don't look good. It doesn't look that's, good. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a, that's a really weird elitist stance that I'm taking, but it just doesn't look good. I don't give a shit about t-shirts, tank tops, button downs, no shirt. I don't care. Shorts look shitty to me. I don't yeah. know why that is. <laughs> you're not even wearing a shirt. But if you're wearing shorts versus wearing long pants, I don't care what kind of pants. Yeah. I think it looks, it just looks amateur. And I immediately go, oh, this fucking guy. Yeah. What's he about to do? <laughs> and I feel terrible that I feel that way because I know a lot of people that do that. <laughs> I had to do, I did a charity golf tournament last year and I wasn't on the bill of musicians to play that day. But someone canceled in the headline set. And so they asked me to do it to fill in a spot. And I didn't bring pants, I was wearing golf shorts and in a polo and had to borrow someone's guitar which is always weird and i was so unbelievably self-conscious about my legs and not wearing <laughs> pants because the other dudes knew they were playing and they all brought a change of clothes yeah and so i was the idiot wearing a golf hat and a like a really loud golf shirt <laughs> in shorts and flip-flops with a sock tan because I play golf too much. And I'm on stage. You do got that sock tan. I do bad. And I, yeah, my feet are like glow-in-the-dark white. And, uh, and I, I, dude, I was so unbelievably self-conscious about it because I, because I have that elitist stance, and I've always felt that way about it and i i was standing up the whole time people are taking pictures of me and i'm just going fuck i know they're getting my knees in this picture and people now people have to look at my legs like no one wants to see anybody's legs like come on unless you're a girl uh. like chicks can wear shorts on stage yeah, yeah that doesn't man. bother me yeah but for some reason dudes old dudes, dude, old dudes in cargo shorts and tevas Oh man, the the Velcro strap on sandals. Oh, bugs me. Yeah, now I'm and all of, all of those dudes. I've the only they can be playing any song. Could be an awesome song. All I hear is Margaritaville. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what they're playing or how good they're playing it. All I hear is Margaritaville. <laughs> I can't help it. Um. <laughs> I can't help it. That's, that's what I hear. Oh, that's not even Margaritaville. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't so don't wear don't wear cargo shorts on stage. Yeah, well, it's, you know, show up like you give a shit, or else you'll be judged by me. Which I know. Who knows? You know, I know everyone's real concerned what I think about them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. Oh man. So you got a record you're going to go in and record. Tell me about that. Yeah, uh, coming up here at the end of this year, last week in December. I'm excited about it. A couple songs you and, uh, you and I wrote together. A couple? A couple of them. Which ones? Oh. I thought it was just one. No, it's uh, two that you helped help me with. Yeah. Or is it just one? No, it's, it's two. I don't know. Which ones are they? I, there, one of them was that, uh, 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 I don't remember. The Right Time is what it's yeah, called. Yeah, 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 that one. yeah. That's that a one. good tune. That one's one of my favorite ones that we've done. And then, uh, no, nah, you helped me on that other one, too. 
thought, or maybe I'm just putting it in my head that maybe I had something else that I wanted you to work You're on. You're welcome to put my name on it, and I'll get points off of it. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe that's. <laughs> You're welcome to do that. Maybe there's maybe there's another one's like, oh, this is an idea I had. I need to throw it, Chris. And uh, but yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm excited about it. I got 12 songs, and we're going to go ahead and track 12. I don't think we're going to put all 12 on the record, but yeah, save a couple of them for the next one. I don't even. I, I might do like a. There's a couple acoustic ones that I want to throw on there too, and uh, maybe like a month or so after we do like an extended thing or yeah, something. That's cool. Throw those on a couple them. extra tunes and some acoustic stuff. Yeah, it's a good idea. But that's I what just, Alan Stone did. He added like eight tunes. What kind of food yeah. do you do? Yeah, he recorded like forty songs for that. <clears throat> it wouldn't surprise me. They had to narrow it down. They he narrowed it down and then re-released it. He played one, uh, a new one that I never heard. Uh, when I saw him just the other day, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, good. I, can't, I can't wait for this. That dude, man, that dude's so good. It's ridiculous. It is. It is it's ridiculous. ridiculous. So, are you using your live band in the studio, or do you have different guys or more guys? Uh, no, it's all all my dudes that I use for Jay Sanford, Chris Brenham, shout outs, and, uh, <laughs> Slim Dunn, and myself. Slim, that dude's a beast. Man, he. he He's become like a whole nother dude since I first met him. Yeah. And I don't know, just, I don't know what it is. He's always been a great drummer, but uh, in the past like three years, like mm. something, I don't know, just something clicked in him. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden he's just like a fucking freight train. Yeah. I remember when I first met him was right when I moved to Fort Worth. And that was about five years ago. Um, I, I met him and we jammed. And he was awesome back then, of course. So it probably always been awesome. And I remember that he, about a year or two into the, after that, which would be about three years ago, I remember him going, hey, we were sad. We were somewhere just talking. Having, we'd meet up every now and then, talk on the phone. And uh, he was going, yeah, like I've, I've, I've realized that I, like if I'm going to be legitimate, like I need to. I need to have these ducks in a row and I need to know how to program and I need to know how to do all this stuff. And then he did it. He just went out and did it. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I need to learn these grooves. I need to learn how to do this stuff. I need to learn how to work triggers. I need to learn how, like, these are the things that I, these are the tools that I'm going to need if I want to level up and continue to grow and play with better artists and all that. And then I saw him again. I didn't see him for a while. And I guess he had his nose down for that, for like a year. And then I saw him and he, he sat in on a gig and just jammed with us. And I was like, holy fuck. Like, Dude, he's he's a fucking fire. He's a fucking freight train, yeah. man. He uh, he did a, a trio gig with me like a month ago, two months ago, and he had never heard most of the tunes, and he made them sound so good. I'm, and I, like I just I would just me. set him up with the groove, like a beat mm -hmm. and a, and a feel, and then he would just slay it, just kick snare hats. Yes, and I just we were just tripped out acoustic trio. And I was like, dude it's, is stupid good, man. It's 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 weird, man. Like uh. There's only been a couple drummers that I've ever worked with that, like, are that dependable mm -hmm. where, like, you don't even question, you don't question their timing or anything, like, mm -hmm. if they're going to come in at the right tempo or anything. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't even, I don't even think about it when mm -hmm. I'm playing with that guy. It's yeah. like, he, <clears throat> he just knows what to fucking do. It's mm -hmm. weird. Yeah, very musical. Yes, which is hard to be considered musical on the drums. That's yeah, man. Difficult. I think I think some of those guys get fucking don't get enough credit for that. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. But Slim is one of those people. And my drummer, Chris Hill, is the same way. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. yeah, Chris very is fucking, musical. Mm-hmm. Like, because he listens to very musical music. Yeah. And I think that probably has a, the biggest thing to do with it. It's not yeah. just... Influences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Influences pull a lot of that. Chris is really into Vinnie Cauyuta, mm. which is... He's like the cream of the crop, top of the top guy. To of that kind of, he's really into jazz fusion and that stuff. Mm-hmm. But Vinny Cauyuta is like the number one call guy in LA for pop session stuff. Right, the dude's on all kinds of records that are like straight up pop records because he can do that, and then he can jump on with Chikoria mm-hmm. and slay a Chikoria record and play the craziest outside the box jazz you can think of. Well, that's also like kind of the thing with like a like bass players too, like fucking Pino Palladino and shit. You know mm-hmm. that th- those guys are known in these other worlds mm-hmm. of just doing this extreme yeah. fucking music. And mm-hmm. then there are also the guys that get called to come in and fucking be like, "Hey, we need you to fucking lay down this yeah perfect fucking pocket." Yeah, yeah. And Quest Love calls Pino Palladino for a D'Angelo record. Yeah, like you go what? <laughs> and then you hear it and you go, oh, "Okay, oh, okay, I get yeah, it. yeah, I get it's it. now." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he murdered that record. Yes. Oh my God, he did the old record, the one from two thousand. Pino Palladino did. Did he play on the last one mm-hmm. that uh? The, he did some of Black Messiah. He did some Black Messiah. He didn't do all of it. It did, took you know it took me a while to get come around on Black Messiah. It was a little out there. A little At more. First, I I didn't it didn't it didn't really sink in, and it took a little bit. Yeah, but it's a little out there. Now, like there's like fucking certain parts of that I'm just like, yeah. oh fuck yeah, it's aggressively groovy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it took me a second yeah there's some of those artists like that 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 and it was 15 years between records for d'angelo oh wow i didn't realize it was 15 years between records wow. and so he had a lot of time to tour and then do nothing and then do a, do cameos and this man he came it was aggressive it was mm-hmm. aggressive that record and it was so good i i've i it I, there was about half of it that i didn't like at first and then i've you know upon Listening to the ones that I liked, it would jump to one that I wasn't so sure about, and then I'd hear it eventually. It would, they came around, I had the whole record now. I love it. Mm-hmm. But the same, like, I, it took me a while to get, to get there, um, like you're saying. But, but the guys on that record, he used a lot of New York cats, a lot of dudes that are that New York, like, neo-soul R&B scene up there that are just filled with jazz musicians is unbelievable. There are so many dudes up there. You're Robert Glasper and you're... Uh, you know, he's kind of heading the whole thing up and trying to make it a little more modernized, and that dude specifically, and he's unbelievable mm-hmm. keyboard player and, and arranger and composer. Yeah, that's one of Chris's favorites, uh, uh, Chris Brennan. I mean, he's always, like, fucking Glassbury. Like, oh, you yeah. Fucking... As a keyboard player, I can imagine he would. Yeah. Insanely creative. Mm-hmm. And, and he's got three or four different incarnations of himself, and he releases records as all of them, and it's so cool because he can just kind of flip that switch uh, my favorite is the the Robert Glasper experiment, which is like the really crazy out there four piece stuff where he's got the the singer sings on a vocoder through a guitar. Oh, okay, I that's do know my, what you're talking and about. And he also plays saxophone. The mm-hmm. same guy. Yep, I know. What you're that's my about. favorite version of Robert Glasper. And Fuck he's got yeah. a he's got a traditional jazz thing, and he's got the bigger ensemble that does kind of stuff with singers. But that's my favorite. The that the trio the four-piece stuff it's so out there but it's so cool he did uh he did a a record called black radio and then a black radio two and black radio one i think is is my favorite of the two and it's got all kinds of cameos on layla hathaway and 
who won a Grammy for that song as well as the one she did with Snarky Puppy. And uh, uh, Erica Badu does Afro Blue, which is an old standard. And she just murders it. Erica Badu is like the coolest voice of any singer. Her and Nora Jones, mm-hmm. they like my heart melts when I hear either one of them sing. I was watching some weird, uh, what is it called? With Nick Cannon on fucking MTV. Wildin' Out. Yes. <laughs> the rap battles. And I record that show just because occasionally, like late at night, I want something to watch. And they had fucking Badu on it like a couple, yeah. or it was a while back, but she just fucking murdered the whole Slaying, fucking thing. She's <laughs> so just, cool. Like nobody could fucking, they were like, yeah, it's just, might as well just be Badu she's, wins. Man, <laughs> she's so cool. <laughs> She stays in her lane too, man. She knows what she's about and she knows how to be that person and mm-hmm. she doesn't really care about being anything else. Nah. That's what I've always, I've loved that about her since the 90s listening to her stuff back in the day when she was like a pop star. Like she's the same person. She's putting yeah. out the same style mm-hmm. of music. It's 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 creative and it's it's evolving, but it's it's still her. Mm-hmm. Like there's no doubt when I listen to a new Badu song versus Baduism from the '90s, like it's the same. It's the same person. Yeah, and she knows who she is, and she's very comfortable, and she's phenomenal. So there's no reason to do anything different. But I love love listening to her. I wish, honestly, sometimes I wish she was less popular so I could go see her and not have to go to the bomb factory with three thousand other people. Right. Like, I wish she would do like the Granada or something where I could go and see it in an intimate venue, but it was good for her for being popular, but there was one time, uh, it used to be called the Palladium. I I think it's called something else now. Mm -hmm. Is it called something else now? I don't know. That's the one in South Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. And there's South side ballroom or something like that. Maybe it's called that, but, uh, I don't know. There was a place next door. No, I think you might be right. I think it might be called the South side ballroom now. But we were playing next door at this other place, and the buildings are attached. Mm-hmm. And we got to the sneak. Gillies building. Gillies, that's what. Yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if that's still Gillies there. Gillies still there, yeah. And we they got don't do to, a whole lot, but it's still there. We got to sneak in, and it was uh, Erica Badu, Jamie Fox, <laughs> and somebody else was playing. And so we snuck in after our sound check, and like just, you know, walked in like, yeah, we know what we're doing. Yeah. And they were checking? They were sound checking. Eric That's Badu was. Awesome. And then we got to watch Jamie Foxx check. And this was also like around the time that uh, whatever that Blame It on the Alcohol song was a big deal. Okay. And you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. And uh, so we got to watch Eric Badu and then him do his thing. And it was just like fucking Eric Badu had, I don't think, she came out and sang like maybe a uh, bar and a half or something. Yeah. And then just walked off stage and yeah. the rest of the band just like finished the song and I was just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> guess, guess she's good. She doesn't need to change yeah. anything. <laughs> she was like, good. Yeah. <laughs> but she was so badass just watching her walk out there and then just walk right back off. And I was like, fuck yeah. I, you know, I've seen her in non-musical settings like in, in like restaurants. I've like, in, in interviews, things like that. She's the exact same person that she is on stage. Like that's just who she is. She is yeah. she is that cool. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. It's really awesome. But for someone to be that awesome and and <laughs> just radiating coolness yeah. all the time. All the time. It's just who she is. Yeah. She's not putting on a show for anybody. She's just that person who she is. She just gets on stage. She's like, I'm a I'm doing me and this is what I do. This is what I sound like. This is what I look like. You're gonna love it because you already do. Yeah. And Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna go to the bar, and you're, I'm gonna be the same person. I'm gonna be 
it's, I love people like that. Mm-hmm. I love people like that because I don't, I'm not that person. I don't like, I, when I'm trying to be on stage, like, I feel like I'm putting on an act. I feel like I'm putting on a show. You know what I mean? Like, I'm confident in who I am as a person and who I am as a performer, but I definitely lean into it pretty hard yeah. when I'm on stage and I want to put on a good show. And I think that there's a very, very fine line that is not to be crossed without it being fake. And I try really hard not to cross that line because I know people that do, that they get on stage and they become this super over-animated person and that's not who they are and it looks weird. Uh-huh. But to a point, I think you have, you're, you're putting on a show and so you have to put on a show. But for her, I don't feel like that happens. I feel like she gets out there and she does what she's going to do. There's 10 people there or there's 5,000 people there. They're right. going to get the same show because that's just what it is. I admire that about people that act like that. I feel like Alan Stone's like that too. Mm-hmm. He just You talk to him before the show or after the show and he's cutting up. He's cutting up on stage the same way. He's just having a good time. He's wearing his sweatpants and his hipster Seattle clothes and he's having a good time. Yeah. And he's murdering because he's phenomenal. And then he knows that he's phenomenal, and so it makes it easier. And then he gets off stage, and he's just the same guy. And I like that. I like that. I try to be that, but I don't think I'm an interesting enough person to be that. But I try. Dude, I feel more, I feel more comfortable up there than I do off the stage. Yeah. It's not a matter of comfort. It's a matter of just me trying to make sure that I'm being entertaining. Yeah. I'm, it's I, not a matter of being less comfortable. It's just I don't think that I'm an entertaining enough person as just a person without actively being being entertaining gotcha gotcha i might be the same way man because i feel like when i'm up there do like when it's go time with guitar in my hand it's i'm in a whole nother world yeah well maybe on the flip side of that maybe that's who you really are and you have to tone it down for the for the offstage time maybe so i don't know because I feel if more it's in there all the time when i'm having yeah. to walk around and talk to people i'm I like i don't know that. What to, I don't know what to, yeah. you know, but when I'm up there and I, yeah. it's like a visor goes down yeah. and it's like, this is, this is my element. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's very uninhibited for sure. I, I, I can agree with that. I, I don't feel like I have to not be weird and I not be my, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do weird stuff and say weird stuff. Cause I'm on stage. I can do that cause it's my show and that's what you get. Yeah. But when I'm off stage, I say weird stuff. I get weird looks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I feel like, yeah, no, I would agree with that. Maybe, maybe being on stage is, is a more true version of yourself. Yeah. And off stage is, is a, a reserved version. I like that better. That makes me feel better about it. <laughs> so that, I guess the, the challenge is how do you figure out how those other fuckers can fucking take that from being up there and just carry it right off? And- well, I just don't think that they care. I think that they're so comfortable and confident in themselves that they can walk around with that strut and just yeah. be that person. Yeah. Alan Stone knows who he is. Yeah. And he's not putting on an act for anybody. He's just play, he's that's who he is. He's getting up there and singing songs he wrote. And I he's not he's not playing into it. He's just that's who he is. Yeah. I, and I feel like I feel like once you, you can maybe maybe you can act like that more when you're on a bus and touring around and all you do is play sold out venues. Maybe that helps. You know what I mean? Like I still have to go to the grocery store. I can't rock star everyone at the grocery store. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I got to go drop off a UPS box full, you know, with a CD in it. And I can't, like, big time the UPS lady at the desk. You know what I mean? But yeah. he doesn't have to do that. You nah. know what I mean? He's, yeah. not, he's not mailing off his own merch. So, 
I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe that helps. Maybe maybe just being in that element and that just becomes who you are. That that maybe on stage so. persona just yeah. you just get to a point where you can act like that all the time. People expect that because that's what they see of you on stage. So that's what they want all the time. Right, right, right. Yeah. Maybe. When I'm at McDonald's, people don't want to be rock starred. Yeah. <laughs> I don't go to McDonald's. McDonald's is horrible. Oh, McDonald's. I don't know the last time I've been to a McDonald's. It's been a long time. I hate McDonald's. I, I say that I'll eat the only McDonald's I'll eat is the breakfast, like the sausage on a biscuit with an egg. It's hard mm. to it's hard to fuck that up. Yeah, it's yeah, I agree. It's kinda hard to fuck that up. But that's about the extent of it. <laughs> if I'm eating McDonald's, I'm about to die because I'm so hungry. <laughs> oh man. <sighs> and we covered a lot of different stuff today. Yeah, man. That's the point of this. I just I don't I don't know. It's not an interview. I don't want to do it like an interview. I want to do it. Where you just we just talk, just you and I have known each other for a little while, and um, well, we've known each other for longer than a year, mm-hmm. but it's been like a solid almost year and a half that we've been kind of like hanging out on the regular. Yeah, we've been writing and doing a lot of stuff, and I I like that you've helped me out with finishing a lot of tunes and and vice versa. Man. Yeah, it's been fun. You and I mesh really well musically. Yeah, and it's fun. It's hard like, to find something like that with somebody that. Is a, is a writer. I feel that way about my band. Like, we're on the same page musically a yeah. lot. And you and I, I feel like, are the same way. Well, what's cool about, like, I've noticed just every time that we get together is that, like, if I have an idea and maybe, like, I kind of feel 95% confident about it, you'll come in and be like, well, you know what? That's cool, but let's do this and make it cooler. And then you'll, like, show me something or some weird chord or be like have some idea about something i go yeah. fuck why didn't i think of that God <laughs> damn it you know it's like every time we get together like some of that shit happens on yeah on both sides it seems like and yeah. it's like fuck yeah like for why sure didn't we fucking think of that i think that's important man you gotta have people around you like that like we were talking about last night like i've i've been going through some crazy writer's block for a while and like when we get together i don't feel that way like and we don't get together that much lately, but it helps get my juices flowing. That and having having the access to the studio now helps a lot too. And but that goes a long way toward getting those juices flowing. Yeah. So we need yeah. to start. We need to do that again because it's been a while since we've done that. I got some ideas. Yeah, I got I got a couple of things that I've been kind of fucking saving just just for you because i know yeah. that like i gotta yeah if there's somebody that i need you know that i think could actually help me out with this it would be you yeah that and then i'm trying to you know hold you hostage so you take your dog out with me to the dog park yeah we keep talking about doing that we never do i went over there to that camp buoy one it's awesome it's really awesome it's man. really cool I like big pond in the middle of it and everything i definitely want your dog to be like you know my dog's girlfriend yeah that's weird no, it's not weird. Is that not weird? It's not weird. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Maybe but it's weird. I don't know. She's fixed. Nothing going to happen. Well, my dog's fixed, too. But they would make beautiful babies. In an alternate universe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you subscribe to the multiverse theory, in one of those universes, everything is exactly the same, only they're not fixed, and they have puppies together. <laughs> I wish uh, I could live in that universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is that? Oh, what was that damn TV show not too long ago? Oh, I thought I'd talk to you about it. Cosmos? No, not the Cosmos. It was like a fictional... Uh, no, not like a... What the fuck was it? It was on Netflix. 
damn it, I can't think of it. Anyways, but uh, yeah, there was like an alternate universe that like all this shit happened in. That would be what would be going on yeah, with the dogs. Totally. But no, you got to fucking go me, man. Like that's my fucking I don't hang. go that much. I need to go more. I don't go that as often as I should. It's not like I have so much going on during the day. <laughs> I don't do anything during the day. But yeah, no, we should do that for sure. Uh, yeah, I need to get out more. And she likes riding in the Jeep too. I got her this harness and I got her this uh, this plug-in. It's got a carabiner that clips onto the harness, the top of the harness, like where the handle is over her shoulders. Uh-huh. And then it plugs into the seatbelt plug. So she can't, so it's attached to her body. It's not attached to her neck, so she can't hang herself uh-huh. if she jumps out. But I, I can control how long it is, so she can't jump out. Right. Like she can get, she, she her leaning against the, 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 the strap that's plugged into the, seatbelt holder mm-hmm. just lets her head poke out just past her ears mm-hmm. out of the jeep and, and then that it. way she if you had to like slam on the brakes or something she doesn't yeah, go flying she's not gonna go flying she yeah. can't go out either side she's she's in and she's harnessed to the chest rather than to her neck because if it were by her neck and her body flew out she'd be hung mm-hmm. and so it's not like that's attached to her, this harness so is Penny the uh, type of dog when she gets in the car that she has to be riding shotgun? No, I put her in the back seat. You put her in the back seat. Yeah, my dog. There's won't more do that. room back there. He won't do it. Yeah, he's got to be fucking shotgun. She doesn't really care where she goes. Honestly, she's in the car. If I'm there, she's cool. Gotcha. Doesn't matter. She could be all the way in the back of the van, just as long as she can see me and we're going to the same direction. Yeah. Then she's cool. She doesn't care. Yeah. No. Timber does not work that he way. He wants to be in the seat. He's got to be in the He's got to be riding <laughs> shotgun no matter what. Yeah. Like there's been many a times me and Reagan, we got in the van to go somewhere and we decided to take him. Yeah. And guess where Reagan sits? <laughs> she gets to the back. She you gets to get, in the she back. Tell her to get in first and then make him <laughs> get in the back. He just, he just climbs on top oh, of Really? Her. That's <laughs> awesome. He's like, he's no. This too is, big for that. I know. This is my seat. <laughs> this is my seat. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. Poor dog. And so I feel bad about it. I got to get one of those harnesses too because uh, there'll be a Every now and then, like somebody will slam on the brakes, and yeah. I slam on the brakes, Dog and he goes, goes into, ah, you yeah. know, goes into this weird, goes almost, right into the dashboard. Mm-hmm. I feel bad every time. Yeah, and like ninety percent of the time, he's got his head halfway out the window. Oh yeah. Body so, goes into the seat mm-hmm. in the footwell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, damn it, dog. Sorry, yeah, buddy. dogs are funny like that, man. <laughs> dogs are funny like that. She loves the Jeep, though. I take the whole top off, and she'll get in the back and just just sit down and just look around because she can see the whole world. She's got the wind blowing yeah. her face. She loves yeah. it, man. It's pretty cool. I bet that'd be different too. I had to go. Uh, there's another funny story. I had to go. I was taking the car to go get washed, and I get halfway uh, down the block. And before that, I was getting stuff in and out of the the car. I was like moving some equipment or whatever. And my cats are notorious uh, for jumping in the in the van while I have like the doors open mm-hmm. while I'm cleaning stuff out. So anyways, I clean everything out, shut all the doors, thought I looked, didn't see a cat, got halfway down the block on the way to the car wash, and I just hear this. <laughs> from the back seat. From the back seat, and I look back, and there's Frank, my cat, and he's looking at me like, Frank. oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. I really messed up. <laughs> I really messed up. <laughs> so I turned around and went and dropped him right back off in the front yard, but when I, like, Picked him up and dropped him out of the, the driver's side door. He had that look on his face like, did this motherfucker just drop me off in the middle of nowhere? Like, is this what all these other cats have been talking about all their life? He had that look on his face like, where oh, shit, I? where am I? And then he realized where he was. But, yeah, if you ever uh, if had if you ever had to move cats in a vehicle, 
it's an interesting. Thing. I've had a cat since I was a kid, like a family cat. I don't really care for cats. They trip lot. out in the car, man. It's, it's not my thing. I guess it, you would think like with dogs too, it would throw off their equilibrium and stuff. But with cats, they go fucking. They don't like it in the car. Yeah, she she dogs don't really seem to have a problem. I mean, they get they don't have a, like a grasp of of. It's just yeah, it's weird. Like they don't have any traction on the seat. You know what I mean? So they slide around, but yeah. I don't. I don't think they have equilibrium issues with that. Maybe it's because they're bigger. But I guess small dogs too. But I don't know. I don't really like cats, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care. Oh, uh, you know me, man. I got the fucking zoo. You do have a zoo. I got the zoo. You do. I had to feed the old snake yesterday. <sighs> I forgot that you have a snake. snake. You have a zoo. You have an actual zoo. I have an actual zoo. One of these days, man. Yep. I'm gonna take over the. You know, if music career goes down the drain. Yeah. Just start Fort Worth Zoo. I'm coming for you. Wildlife sanctuary. Johnny Cooper. <laughs> You'll see me out there. I'll be the next uh, Johnny Cooper Wilderness. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be the next guy to get stung by a what was that? A manta ray? Oh, too soon, man. Steve Irwin. It's too soon. Too soon for Steve. It's too soon. Too man. soon for a Steve it's Irwin joke. Beloved, make oh. Bill Cosby jokes. Don't make Steve Irwin jokes. Oh man, it's too soon for Steve Irwin. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, well, you want to wrap it up? Let's wrap it you up. Got anything yeah. that you want to plug uh, long term? Oh. Got a record coming out uh, in the spring. You want to? Do you have a uh, March thirty first? All right, two thousand seventeen. The record will be out. We'll be touring uh, pretty much April and May. Cool. Uh, doing stuff like CD release parties for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited for everybody here. Yeah. A lot of the stuff. Yeah. And then at some point in time, I'm sure uh, me and old Justin Ross will get back together and and do mm-hmm. another sidecar project thing, and I'm yeah. sure you'll have something to do with that. Yeah, gladly. I enjoyed doing that. Got to work on my drum chops. Yeah. I still to this day, man, I was like, fuck, this motherfucker just walked in here and nailed all these songs. I did. Okay, that's a good story. Uh, I did. We set up the drums, and it was the first tune that we were tracking, and the first take of the first song was like a rap on the first take, yeah. and I was like, what now, yeah, everybody? That's like, what I thought, too. I was like, <laughs> I didn't know what was going to happen, yeah. man, because I talked to you about it, and you're yeah. like, uh, I want to come in and you know play drums on it, and I was like, okay, okay, and I was like, When's the last? I didn't know you played drums. When's the last time you played drums? And you were like, I don't know, like a couple years ago. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, fuck yeah, it. Like, you know, what's so horrible? <laughs> well, I didn't know what to think because, you know, me and Justin were doing all this stuff just ourselves yeah. anyway. So I didn't really have too much expectations about anything. And then you fucking come in and set up everything up. We mic everything up and. You start listening down to the first song. You didn't even fucking hear any of the music until no, you I hadn't in heard any of those tunes. I didn't know how they went. Yeah. And then that uh, first one was really pretty straightforward, though. Wasn't it, it was. It wasn't that yeah, hard. I can say that I one taked it, but it really wasn't that. <laughs> and the next thing I know is uh, uh, I'm sitting down there with you in that living room. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, just give me the cues when you want me to stop. And I'm yeah. sitting there with headphones yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. W- putting my hand up in there like and go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you fucking nailed yeah. all that shit. That was fun, man. That was really fun. I did a lot. <laughs> I played bass and keyboard and organ and drums. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That was fun. It turned out to be a lot better than uh, I think anybody expected it to be. Yeah, it turned out to be a really good record. So go get that sidecar with Justin Ross, Johnny Cooper. Uh, what's the record called? It's just called Sidecar. Sidecar. Yeah, five song EP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we'll wrap this up. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, this is the first of many, many podcasts with many guests. And I'm sure Johnny will be back to do another one real soon. So uh, stay tuned. This is the Slightly Chewed Podcast, and we'll see you next time.